Why are you staring at me like that? How am I supposed to sleep with you staring at me like that? What, you scared? I'ma show you, no stone can't beat no set. We do sets, we not scared of no damn stone. I'ma show you. I'ma take care of that stone. I'm coming to get you, stone! Hey everybody, Jesse here. We got a pretty good episode for you today. Uh, another kind of unusual one. Usually for an episode, Aaron and I each watch the movie, sometimes a few times, and he and I each separately think of a few things we might want to talk about, and we record the conversation, you know, remotely. The week of this recording, though, I happened to be right in New Orleans visiting Aaron, and we decided to just watch Beasts of the Southern Wild together and open some beers. A lot of beers, really, and flip on a microphone and launch right into the conversation about it as soon as it finished. It was a lot of fun to do it that way, and it gave us an excuse for another kind of unusual episode, which I like. I like messing with the format of the show a little like this. Anyway, since I'm already butting in with this little introduction, I want to do something else unusual and just take a second to talk about the podcast. We're already on episode number 12 here, which seems amazing to me. I mean... It took a really long time for me to figure out what I was doing in the first place to get the equipment set up and learn the software and everything and, and figure out the room noise and sound dampening. This is not my area of expertise at all. But once I started putting them out, it seemed like things started moving super quickly. And this is really the fun part for me, and it's happening really fast, uh, which I love. As a side note, I just to shove this in, I, I hope someday there's time for me to document my process of figuring all this shit out because there were a lot of fuck-ups and a lot of moments where I just wanted to throw my hands in the air and give it up, and it would be nice if you wanted to start a podcast if I could help you avoid that shit altogether. <laughs> if I ever get time to document that stuff, it'll be on inthecut.org, and I will let you know here. Um, anyways, the whole project is, this whole project here is a real shot in the dark for me, and I hope it's worthwhile for you. I don't know how to do audience surveys or market research or whatever, and I'm not particularly interested in that kind of stuff uh, at this point anyway, but what I am interested in is hearing from you. Uh, if you're out there listening, I would absolutely love to know what you think, uh, to know what you like or don't like, or what you want more of or less of, or, you know, if there's an episode that made you laugh or made you think, or think about something differently or something that really bugged you or something we sh you never want us to do again or that we should just jettison this and only do that or whatever. I have no idea how any of this comes through. <laughs> so I would really be happy to hear from you right there, you listening to this. I would love to know what you think. You can reach me through the site at inthecut.org. You can email me at jesse at inthecut.org. That's J-E-S-S-E -S -S -E at inthecut.org. Uh, and I keep uh, active on Twitter at inthecutorg, all one word, inthecutorg. Someone swooped in the cut, of course, before I ever made this show. I'm, we're on Google+, Plus. if anybody's out there. 
and there's a Facebook page, same thing, in the cut org altogether. And Facebook's a great place to go and chat with other people about the episodes and the movies. Facebook's probably where the conversation is kind of most active uh, as of right now, as of when I'm recording this. You can also go to our podcast page on the iTunes store and leave a review. Just write a short one or two sentence thing just so someone skimming the iTunes podcast directory could get a sense if this is something that they would like or not. And you can leave a one to five star review there too. No sweat, no pressure. It would just be cool if you had a second. The other thing I wanted to say was since uh, we just flipped on a microphone in the room for this episode, the sound quality is not quite what I usually shoot for. Pretty modest, <laughs> even on the, on the you know, pretty modest sound quality even on the best of days, which this you will hear is not. But it shouldn't be too terrible, and I was able to clean it up a lot uh, afterward. But just be warned, it's a little, little rough. All right, all right, all right. Uh, on with the show. Welcome to In The Cut. This is a special episode. Uh, Aaron and I are sitting together in his house in New Orleans. And... <laughs> Why are you doing that to me? <laughs> in New Orleans. Narlands. <laughs> in Narnia, where he lives. Aaron and I are uh, together in this house in New Orleans, and we just watched Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, we're going to do something a little unusual and just record fresh off the movie. Uh, I had only seen it this one time, and it just we just finished. Aaron has seen it before. Um, it's a fascinating and wonderful movie, but we're just going to do kind of a short, uh, take a look at it in, in kind of just a, a recap sort of way, which I'm looking forward to. Hi. Me and Aaron are drinking Abita. Am I, how am I saying that? Am I saying Abita, that right? Abita's correct. Okay. Let's see if you can get the... <laughs> Giacomo? That's good enough. Good enough. I've mispronounced nearly everything in this town since I've been here, <laughs> which is something I do with every town I ever visit. Well, it's interesting in, I mean, in this town... Mostly the town's just pronouncing regular <laughs> words Because <laughs> I think everywhere else, everywhere else, it is Esplanade and not Esplanade, yeah. for example. Um, next street over is um, Burgundy. <laughs> Burgundy. <laughs> that might be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't um, agree more. I should also mention that we have been drinking for... Four trays. <laughs> There's been a lot of drinking. There's a lot of drinking in this town, for sure. I, I mean, I just every day. I mean, I don't. I can't drink this much. I can't take this town. It's, yeah. it's gonna be the death of me. It's drowning me. It's. I mean, we don't do this like every day, but you know, it's it's Mardi Gras is a special time. <laughs> right, right, and it's not even like the the peak of Mardi Gras. We're we're a little early for that, but the parades have, have started. Court 13, before making Beast of the Southern Wild, Court 13 made a short film called Glory at Sea that was one of the most unbelievable things I'd ever seen in my life, and I was just bursting at the seams after I watched it. I watched it over and over again, probably 30 or 40 times of seeing it at this point, and I was really excited but worried <laughs> to find out the same team were making this full-length movie. But they did a pretty extraordinary job. Um, if you haven't seen Glory at Sea, it's an extra on the on the at least the Blu-ray version. I assume probably the DVD as well. And I think you can probably still see it for free online if you poke around. If I'm able to find a link, I'll put it up on the site along with the link to Beasts of the Southern Wild. 
part of what I, I'm interested in is kind of comparing that, just partly because I just am more familiar with that and have only just seen Beasts of the Southern Wild. But both really, really extraordinary and and straddling straddling a line between like like pure reality and and a sense of fantasy to it that isn't quite like anything I've seen done in a movie or that I can think of where there's fantastical elements that just blend seamlessly into the world and uh, maybe I don't know if that's a good place to start that works for me the um, one thing that uh, Bill Watterson the creator of Calvin and Hobbes always said was you know people people would like want to clarify with him like Hobbes is a stuffed animal that Calvin <laughs> sees as a tiger right it's not a magical stuffed animal that literally turns into or a magical animal that turns into a stuffed animal when other people are looking and stuff and Bill Watterson said it, it, it made no sense to me to try and clear that up like why would you want to settle that <laughs> that's would to be terrible yeah. um, that's a pretty perfect analogy with this movie because I, I think in this you know a lot more than glory at sea um, a lot of the fantastical elements are there because of, or at least really work because, I mean, you're really seeing the eye, the world through the eyes of the six-year-old. Right, and that's what Watterson said about Calvin and Hobbes, too. He said, you know, Calvin sees things this way, other people see things a different way, and why does one have to be right and one not? The, I love that, and, and it's sort of an, like an unreliable narrator, but it's more like a, a just kind of a transcendent narrator <laughs> in a better, better way. I, uh, it was really just so artful and special, and and even a layer deeper than that, it, because there's there's aspects of the story that are kind of are are told by the father, who's uh, Wink, who's an, himself kind of an unreliable narrator and has a different kind of fantastical view of things, and so there's there's things like the the fate of uh, her mother that that kind of were filtered through both perspectives. Yeah, and I might think I mean that. You know what her mother is, you know, and where they went. I mean, that scene. I mean, I think that's, you know, I mean, something that you know absolutely works as purely fantasy. I mean, I think you know Elysian Fields, and that, or that her mother just uh, ran off because she couldn't take her right. <laughs> drunken father and uh, now a prostitute in a houseboat. Right, or may have been, may have always been. Right. Yeah, and the story of how they met could have just been pure fantasy on the on the father's part, or or not. That's actually didn't really even. Although, yeah, that that, that works very well. Uh, yeah, but but right, enriched with imagery and not like not like a literal uh, or not a direct um, allegory, but you know, it's so it's so rich with connections to like the. The man, the, just speaking of the scene where she goes to to go to her mother, um, this the fairy man is almost like a like bringing her over to a, like a heavenly world where her mother lives, and the, the way that's lit and 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 shot and and the music cues and things, uh, it's almost like kind of visiting her mom in heaven. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Elysian Fields is uh, you know a name for I don't know whose afterlife, right? I guess it is, isn't it? I, I I knew I knew of it as a New Orleans street so street name, and right. yeah, I think it's like I remember he used that in Glory at Sea also. Huh. I think there's an an actual Elysian Fields street, street sign floating yeah. that they go past, right? Like when they get to the Field of the Dead, right? Know, the, right. That that's the that's a barrier crossing moment. 
Yeah, and and the the thing is so steeped, and this is true of Gloria City as well. It's so steeped in in New Orleans culture and history, or Louisiana, Southern Louisiana culture and history, and the foods, the manner of speaking, the attitudes, the omnipresence of alcohol. <laughs> the uh, I mean, I, the opening. It's I mean, particularly because it's right now, but just that opening on the you know the parades and the fireworks and just that. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I think the bathtub, you know, settlement where it takes place is in a lot of ways a, you know, metaphorical New Orleans microcosm. Right. And, uh... Is so, this, so the bathtub isn't a real geographical area? It's no, just no. kind of a representative? No, and, and on the map, I think it was all pretty fictional. I think that, or that was, at least that was a little, on a fictional island. Right. And, right. uh, I don't think it's... I think, I mean, at least in a lot of ways, I think it really is about New Orleans and not about, you know... The, the surrounding not not about the people that are actually in that you know this, I don't I don't think they really represent it as hugely Cajun or huh okay you know the people down there I've, I mean I've actually never been to those parishes but uh, I wasn't sure because it seems it, it like just coming in with no con- cultural context it seems like it deliberately deliberately is representing the outside of New Orleans City area but you, you don't feel like the characters were meant to represent those i mean yeah so given that so one scene that i wanted to chew on a little bit more and of course like i said we're coming fresh off the movie so i haven't had a chance to digest a lot of it um so most of these opinions and questions are going to be pretty underinformed, <laughs> which i guess they usually kind of are because i'm not like a movie expert or anything but especially so this time it seemed really poignant that that they they drain by by blowing up a levee, <laughs> and I thought that took that to mean they were draining it into the city. Yeah, I and mean, the levee breaking was was a parallel to the levees breaking in the storm. I mean, I, it's you can certainly take it that way. I mean, I didn't see. I mean, the shots they used for the levee, it was all you know what what they were depicting. You know, the outside, the real world as was. Like the, um, the oil refineries, right? And, so they were in the movie. They were just the, draining it into that shitty. Into, I mean, I think a metaphorical, ugly, industrialized world. I don't right. think, you know, I think they really showed it. it showed the, the outside world as being, kind of, yeah, kind of that. Right. I, I don't, you know, I think when they went to, when they were, you know, evacuated and taken to the real world, I don't think that was supposed to be New Orleans. I think that was just supposed to be. You know, civilization and the right. broad, broader. <laughs> right, right. One thing in this, there's in this movie, there's just, there's just, it's wet always, everywhere. <laughs> you're you're just like slogging through mud and swimming through water, and um, you know you're drinking all the time. And this is something obviously also true in Glory at Sea, where the whole movie just feels like waterlogged. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really like culturally important. Um, oh, and except in the the one scene in the hospital in the in the emergency mm-hmm. recovery thing, and one of the most poignant lines in the movie is when she says, "It doesn't look like a jail; it looks yeah. like <laughs> old fish tank with all the water drained out of it." Which you immediately can see that you totally uh-huh. see that through her eyes, um, and it's it's great great metaphor, and and it wouldn't work if the movie hadn't been like kind of perfectly kind of like saturated before that. Yeah, and I mean the locations were really amazing. I mean, you know how it's really shot in two different, very different places before and after the storm in the movie, which is you know a place that got hit and a place that didn't. So um, right. you know they really do have this area that was 
covered in brackish water and everything really did die. Right. And they just, you know, kind of move some of the sets. And, you know, it works because they can just wreck the fuck out of them and right. bring them to this area that really was devastated. Um, there's a, yeah, and there's a lot that works in the movie because it's so perfect, like, like, wonderfully made that it just doesn't have to make it, make these things explicit, like, <laughs> like that. Um, and then you pick up so much of these people's like life and values just by a kind of osmosis watching it but also i thought the relationship between the father and the daughter that's kind of is and and even becomes even more so the centerpiece center of the storyline like it's hard to think of an example of him like and having an overt demonstration of his love for her i mean i guess like like ripping through her house when he's when it's on fire but there's very little that he does like that's a clear go-to example of him showing how much he cares about her and there's a lot of examples of him behaving really shittily towards her <laughs> but there's no question in your mind that he loves her it's he communicates the two of them communicate it so extremely well without having to have these most specific like cue moments written yeah that actor was amazing and i don't really know his story i'd like to actually on the blu-ray they have the audition tapes i guess huh. i have no idea whose auditions they have but you know he he is not an actor he was a baker just up at the seventh ward hmm. and i don't know how he ended up coming out but he had no acting credits before that and right. uh uh, he, yeah, he was he was really amazing. Yeah, he was just burning with energy and and completely naturalistic, completely unforced performance, and just is he's just bursting with love and anger and kind of like it's sort of like suicidal aspect of his personality, but but and 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 his pride, just. And, and chaos, like just the fearsomeness that he sort of has too. Just he's just exudes it. It's he doesn't have to to hit a mark or say a line to communicate it. He just has to be the way he is mm-hmm. in this movie. And the kid, of course, is just yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, she's a, uh, she's amazing. And uh, I remember the first time I kind of actually re- heard about this movie, or I, I've heard it was happening, but the first time I. I was just out at a bar and uh, at uh, Bud Rips that uh, uh-huh. we went to the other day, and um, they had like the TV up really loud for like the Jay Leno show, <laughs> and uh, you just kept thinking like it was like a Friday night, like you know, packed bar, and it's just like why are they just blaring the fuck out of Jay Leno? <laughs> like you know, they'll sometimes like like a lot of they'll like if it's a football game they'll turn right. the sound on, but aside from that, never and. Uh, like what the hell and then uh, yeah then she just came on and like the whole fucking bar just um it was just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh they love her so much yeah very heroic and it's good it's good to know that that you know again me being really a cultural outsider to the whole area um it's reassuring to know that my intuition that this is an honest representation of, of these aspects and that local people like like it and don't resent this movie. Yeah, there may be there some. There, I mean, I have not talked to a lot of people, but I I think I think people are pretty in love with it. Good. Um, Good, because I am too. Daddy says, up above the levee, on the dry side, they're afraid of the water like a bunch of babies. They built the wall that cuts us off. Thank you.
They think we all gonna drown down here. But we ain't going nowhere. The bathtub's got more holidays than the whole rest of the world. It's, it tells it tells one story for pretty much the first two thirds of the movie, and then and that's no major real venue changes or, or new characters or anything for most of the movie. I mean, obviously the the one venue itself changes, and that's right. a big part. Um, but it, it, one of the things is the it it, it felt a little stuttered to about two thirds of the way through when it had to the transition to the hospital or the you know the recovery area. Uh, I felt like worked and was the site of some of the more emotional scenes and then transitioning back to the to the bathtub they immediately kind of just did do another right angle turn and to go to the swimming out to the guy who kind of acts as their ferryman mm-hmm. and takes them to the Elysian Fields yes. and it's that I mean there the obviously she had been seeing that spotlight for a long time and it always represented her mother to her but it just felt like all of a sudden they have this, all the kids have this sudden motivation that felt like it came out of nowhere. Right. I mean, this time I I felt it, kind of re-watching, I felt it worked a little, a little better. But yeah, you know, this movie is structurally a mess in a lot of ways, it's, huh. you know, and you, you, I mean, absolutely forgive it because I mean, I mean, or I did, you know, I mean, right. so emotionally wrapped up in it, and yeah. it does have these really great. I feel like there's always like a real emotional through line from scene to scene. That's um, what's really important. I mean, you don't have to follow a narrative like act structure. What you just have to do is make what you're doing work. And um, and I think it was. I mean, it's just they were they were going from this from the scene of just kind of um, it, it's when when the girls just I mean, just plunge into the ocean and decide that they're going to go hunt for mothers right. is uh which is another I Did mean, it, so it didn't feel sudden, as sudden to you this time uh it felt sudden. it just worked better okay i, I mean because they were just kind of coming from that scene of just picking through carcasses and i think it was right. i mean it felt like that time like it was just they just kind of got a little fed up with the brutality and yeah um it's like yeah we're just yeah and and like and i guess another thematic thing that's working there is she is d- delivering in voiceover an explanation that you know you it's it's in her nature to look at the you know go and actually find and see and she's looking at this carcass and like don't not to turn away from it so so that can kind of yeah oh, do, do you think that they kind of had a crisis of faith in their families and way of living and that's why they kind of struck out on their own I think they just wanted mothers. They didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't but have... why they chose that moment? Because it just seems like yeah. it's on the tail of another big dramatic event um, that it didn't I, seem I really related to. Maybe that was one of the parts where... I mean, I definitely really love to see the stage play that it's based on. Right. Um, just kind of see how, how it holds together. Because I do feel like there were budget issues with how what scenes definitely got made and what didn't. Because, it, I mean, this movie was made very cheaply and very cheaply filming storms and right. boats and pyrotechnics and children um, uh, in, in a way that feels just like the 
art regardless just amazing that a movie with this many moving pieces got made and got anything on film mm-hmm. um, yeah it shows its budget it, it shows its budget a little bit in a couple of ways um, like you said it's it is clear if you're kind of overthinking it that that they just switch locations between the pre-flood and post-flood and mm-hmm. and there's some other things where you can kind of tell they kind of shot around some things yeah. but I mean I think it was really I mean, the way they, they switched they locations it, was uh, I mean brilliant I think I mean I think if they had the budget that would have still been a, right. the choice to sure. make no um, I guess you're right like not so much like free you're right I guess with an unlimited budget they would have had shots of the one location filling in and kind of doing more of a visual transition mm-hmm. to the other one and s- s- the storming um, you know the storm itself is is is, mo- is more the story of the father's inability to uh, back down from anything mm-hmm. and not, it's, it's not really about this sort of the storm in that moment so it, it, it works the way they do it but but they're also they're shooting around certain things um, but then when they do need to do something um, <laughs> but when they do need to show something they do extremely well and they do it with um, real physical physicality the this glory at sea the center is this boat that they build out of all these like uh, iconic remnants of their lives uh and it's an amazing physical thing that they actually mm-hmm. built and it's just to look at is unbelievable and uh in this movie there's the their housing is like that the the kind of the truck bed boat that they've built <laughs> is like that and I love that they do that each of those is a piece of art in itself that yeah, I can just look I, at I wish there had more of the you know immediately post storm bathtub you know the um, that is I mean I do feel like if they had a budget like it would have been wonderful to see them really like uh, build a build new a, type of city and yeah means <laughs> or of even just a few more of those those buildings and set a little more of it there because that was just I mean it that felt good. Yeah, that, that space felt good because you never really get a good sense of what the bathtub is um, before the storm. I think, and maybe more of a budgetary thing that you know they're obviously shooting it in some different places, and they are shooting a little bit of it in like the outskirts of a real town. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they have those. I mean, great. You know, her and her dad's houses out. You know, just built somewhere. Right. But they, you don't get a sense of connection between all the different sets into uh, right. The kind yeah, of thing I guess you that's could a do if you really had what money. I was thinking. Yeah. After Katrina, a lot, and 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 in this movie, it doesn't. It really doesn't seem like the storm that's the center of the movie has to be Katrina. It, it's representative of just that storm that happens every you know several you know, every however many years to to the area. Yeah, well, I think in the... I mean, it was... But n- nobody says Katrina, I mean... If oh, oh like yeah, yeah, it wasn't... Right. Yeah, I think emotionally it was Katrina. Right. But, yeah. And, and But in the wake of Katrina, one of the questions that both, you know, assholes and just culturally <laughs> ignorant people asked was, why didn't everybody leave? Mm-hmm. Like, why... I mean, why... It seems like the death count shouldn't have been as high as it was. Um, don't people know to like get out of the way of the storm and this movie doesn't like set out to answer that question I don't think but it does have I mean they do have the I 
I think a few of those moments of the conversation where it is the people who do choose to say, and this isn't, you know, I mean, the reason that people didn't leave is, you know, I mean, there weren't a lot of people of money that died in Katrina. Right. I mean, is is the reason. Um, And, you know, I mean, and and it was the first time in 50 years that it really was a storm of, of that magnitude, you know, I mean. Right, I was talking to a guy who was born and raised here by his dad, who was a crab fisherman, who was born and raised here, and they lived in the same house for generations and stuff. He says he's lived through 30-something, you know, storms, and he only left for one. It was Katrina. Mm-hmm. He ended almost every sentence with the word Katrina. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah, it, he would uh, say something, and then dramatic pause, and then Katrina. Like, I mean, it was an amazingly... It changed what this city was and it changed I mean I wasn't you know I was I was not here I don't most of my friends weren't here for Katrina I don't know a lot of people here uh, the director of this movie wasn't here for Katrina hmm. he came um, right afterwards you know I, I think Glory at Sea was actually written before he came here I, I don't know if I'm remembering this right but it was you know he was living in New York when he wrote it and it wasn't at all a specifically New Orleans thing hmm. and it was just in making the movie uh, and the kind of you know it was a very collaborative you know I think I think he didn't even put his name on that. He just called it a Court 13, Court 13. Um, because it really was this amazingly collaborative right. uh, work. Um, yeah, I, I, I realized when we when it got to the credits of this movie that I hadn't that I didn't rec- immediately recognize the name, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's and he <laughs> really is the director. It's not like a director's collective. I mean, right. He really made this movie, but um, and I mean, part of what makes Glory at Sea. I mean, you were talking about is. The just real objects that they built, and this right. was really just after Katrina. And um, yeah, and the thing about New Orleans is that its history is really like not just a intellectual thing. Like it's a physical. There's a physical <laughs> presence. The, the history physically exists. Uh, the history of the city is just right there to reach out and touch in a lot of ways. And I love the way that translates to these. But yeah, and, and, and it, again, I don't think that it sets out to answer that question or like quell that concern. <laughs> but in the movie, you completely sympathize with the guy not wanting to leave, and it just makes sense, I think. And as part, I think of most of it is just that 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 actor's passion that he carries. Yeah, and and but that is, I mean, something that is so much in the character of the city and. It's right. a kind of thing, like, we've only been here through, I mean, Isaac is the only hurricane uh, that we were here for. And Which wasn't that much fun itself. <laughs> no, well, the hurricane itself was pretty fun, but... Um, <laughs> right, uh, right. The hurt- air conditioning was pretty bad. Um, right. But, I mean, there is a huge... That, you know, are you leaving or are you staying? And, you know, that moment when everyone decides, yeah, we're, we're staying and mm-hmm. sitting through it. That's that's a big, I mean, that was what kind of what, I mean, my first kind of time feeling like a local. You know, I haven't, mm. I haven't been here a long time, but you definitely, that you know, fuck it, we're, sit, we're sitting out of the storm. Mm-hmm. And this, this wasn't one that people really talked about. I mean, they talked about right. leaving, but it, it wasn't, wasn't a mandatory evacuation, or was it? No, no, oh, okay. no. There was only, I mean... And even after Katrina, people left after Katrina because Katrina had happened and they had right. that. But there wasn't really, I think, the people I've talked to who did evacuate after Katrina um, have, you know, felt kind of silly. Well, I know that a lot of people left and never came back. They just collected the insurance money and now those houses are just never going to be. Yeah, or maybe they collected the insurance money. <laughs> 
uh, but the, like whole apartment the, complexes you know, that'll just be you know just oh uh, the projects didn't come back uh, right. and that was i mean that was a huge political thing that I mean, people definitely have very different views on that but you know a lot a lot of the big public housing you know they used to just leaks used to tear it down um huh. and you know things in our neighborhood are are fine and um a, lo- a lot of places you know it, it actually looks so much better because you know a lot of the blight did get just torn down and right and, and there was this reconstruction money sure. pictures of like frenchman street where it went, went down uh-huh. um and <laughs> I was, I was just watching the fantastic film uh, Hard Target, right. which was, I think, my other suggestion for the New Orleans <laughs> movie to talk about. And uh, there was a, you know, shooting dudes on Frenchman Street scene, and it's like, it's pretty amazing how many of those buildings were just look, just looked like shit back then. Huh. Um, and uh, That's crazy, because it's right on the edge of the French Quarter, but the French Quarter notoriously doesn't flood. Oh, yeah, it, it didn't flood. It oh, just, okay. But... Um, yeah, there, but there there was a lot of I mean post storm rebuilding. I mean there was federal money. There was pro- so much property changing hands. Huh, right. Yeah. I mean new demographics. A lot of because um, those are I mean the people that didn't think, come back were I mean again you know the people with money left and the people with money came back. Right. Um, rents are probably about in this neighborhood probably at least double what they were before the storm. Huh. Um, but this is this is not movie talk. So something about the the city is that it's it's kind of perched on the edge of disaster, not just because it's physical location, but because it's like below sea level. There are parts that are below sea level. That's kind of a mostly it's not. One of the guys I was with asked the the, the guy who had been here, who was actually our tour guide, just to mm-hmm. make that admission right now. <laughs> The tour guide was asked, like, he's you know he's pointing at areas like that's that that was three feet underwater, that was eight feet underwater, and then further out like that's fourteen feet underwater. And you can see this and that and where the water stopped. Um, and one of the guys was like, "How long does it take for that to to drain out?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "Sir, <laughs> that don't drain out. You got to pump it out." Really. Yeah, that's what it's a bowl. Right, right. Uh, downstairs neighbor. That's what his company does and uh, but that happens in the movie that that i think that they're expecting it to recede and it never does and that's why they have to go to Um, the levee but you know a lot of places you know yeah the french quarter is above you know and it's not necessarily sea level because i mean you know the flooding wasn't from the gulf it was from the lake right Um, okay and uh, but we're i think you know our old house which was you know up on saint claude probably got you know, you can kind of see maybe a foot, two feet. Um, okay. This, I mean, we don't get any here because we're right on the river, right on the levee. Huh. I realized I had never seen a levee before the movie. Like, <laughs> I don't think so you really struck. saw a levee. Oh, this okay. <laughs> That's some kind of, I mean, what a levee really is is just, I mean, you saw a levee. You went down the river. That's a levee on the river. Okay. I mean, it's just a Just an earth, lump earth and earth. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, but, and, and, um, yeah, I mean, you're saying there's the danger to the city, which is, I mean, right. global, global warming. I mean, we're one of those cities where, you know, it's that is quite possibly going to go away within the next 50 years or huh. 100 years. Um, if, you know, depending on how, what, you know, the country decides to do about right. um, Yeah, and I think it's a big theme of, this, of the city and also of this movie is that, like, just looking 
apocalypse in the face and just and, partying. Yeah, just drinking right. in response to it. There's right. a lot, a lot of people who don't believe in global warming here. Huh. Like you talk to a lot of people in bars who are just like, and some of them were just like kind of, you know, listen to too much Fox News or whatever. Right, more study still, is needed. Yeah, a lot of them you just do get, there's a big sense of like, fuck it, I'm not thinking about that. Right, huh. And that, that was a big thing in this movie is that you can't just be like, fuck it, I'm not going to think about it. You have to look yeah. the rock in the face. Yeah. And uh, and I, I mean, there, I loved... That was one of the things that the creatures represented like yeah, with I mean, the melting ice shelf they that were, came from and everything was real visually tight they were up. really but it wasn't so like it wasn't like insultingly no um, uh, but uh, I, I think like it was obvious or, or, but or single you know they broke out during the flood and they were I mean I think they were just a I mean they were about fear right I mean they right. were as you know her you know her fear around her dad's leukemia and her fear yeah. around uh yeah, the, the flooding and the... Right. Which is, I mean, you could so, I mean, tap into that global warming fear. I mean, that's a fucking... That's a right. big one. Uh, no, yeah. Even if you're I, not... I think, that was a, I think that was this undercurrent in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think there are, you know, yeah, just those kind of couple parallel fears as as the, the Oroks get nearer and nearer. And, um, mm-hmm. And, but, but, yeah, that they aren't... The disasters themselves, they're the react, the the fear of it, the huh, yeah, you know, they're the the strong animals that know when your heart is weak, right, um, right, and when they get to her, and that's I mean, that's it's such a moment where she's, and you do feel like she has been enough of a had enough of a transformation through the movie that maybe you know if she had had to deal with the Oroks at the beginning of the movie, uh, she couldn't have handled it, but right. by the end they get there and she could just. Kind of eyeballs up. Like, what was exactly the line? It was like, I guess you're sort of my friends. Right. I guess we're friends in a way, or I forget exactly what yeah. it was, but yeah. But I guess you're, I guess you're sort of my friends, just like, just as you know. But you got the hard shit is what made her her. Right. And that's you know that's when just, you really close. That's just great storytelling. Like I mean, oh. that's what that's what the best. That's what a, a movie aspires to be. Is, and it, and it's so thematically about you know parents and about mm-hmm. and not not just your literal parents but you know the what are the things that make you um, mm-hmm. and I mean she always she keeps saying that you know you can get into the space and just see see the things that have made you and um, which is I mean interesting and you know kind of her insistence on viewing human beings as. And the, the movie's insistence on, you know, the, what human beings are is animals and meat. Right. And, but then the, there's also these other things that make us. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a real extraordinary movie, and I look forward to watching it again. Um, and I was happy to, to get the opportunity to watch it with you. It was very special to me. And it's Aaron's birthday, so. Yeah. Send him presents. Send me presents <laughs> when we release this in six months. It'll still be my birthday to you. <laughs> All right, Aaron, thanks for thanks for doing this with me. That was really fun and, and, a, and a hell of a movie that, yeah. Wow. Pretty music, too. Pretty music. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They... Oh, did we talk about pig hats? Because <laughs> they put some hats on that pig, and there's nothing better than a hat on a pig. 
You talking about the the animal makeup for the creatures? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, they really just straight up put a hat on a pig. And they didn't I bother thought, to. I produce. thought it was relatively seamless. I mean, it's obvious how they did it. I mean, that was a good place to example of where the budget showed a little bit. But I would. I'm glad that oh, they I did. Oh, I love those yeah, pig hats. I was. I meant to look in the credits and I didn't. If the for pig hat <laughs> specialist. No, just to see if it was the same pig hat. Pig actor playing her pig as was playing the head orc. Right, I bet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it could easily have been. I mean, it, they obviously deliberately put a pig as one of her pets <laughs> in the same color and everything. If they wanted mm-hmm. to distinguish between the two, they could have, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, so pig hats. Pig hats. In favor. Pro. We are both pro pig hat. The other thing is. I forgot to buy any New Orleans scratch-off lottery tickets, you know but what? I brought a couple of Oregon lottery tickets. Oh. Did those get scratched already? If they didn't, if I they did, that's fine. Was gonna say I can find them, but maybe I can't. Because <laughs> <laughs> so. we still have to fund the show. I mean, um, I hope you remember. All right, I'm gonna go on. root around in my totally destroyed by me being drunk for the last week house. Right, Hur- you, <laughs> Hurricane Aaron, entertain the people. <laughs> all right. I want your shame preserved for perpetuity. <laughs> uh, we did have some scratch-off lottery tickets, but we can't find them. By which, by we, I mean Aaron has a problem. You can't find them. <laughs> Lives his life. <laughs> and they're somewhere in the mess of his house. So the show is not going to get funded. So I guess we're fucked there. We can, uh, we'll record a little wrap-up when I, when I get back home. And we'll do a, a little remote. Yeah, go to Audible or the Dildo Store. Aren't, what? Aren't those usually what podcasts say? What? Usually Audible or the Dildo Store. I think they're the ones that pay well. What? <laughs> I forget which Dildo Store it is. But What's happening in this conversation? <laughs> you type in our keyword at, uh, at audible.com. Oh, right. Or that dildo store. That, there. I the, recognize the first part of what you're saying now. <laughs> <laughs> they give you, like, extra dildos. What? <laughs> what podcast is sponsored by a dildo store? Um, name a pod. I call them out by name. Uh, WTF. Okay. Uh, risk. Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't, that might be the maybe only we two. Can, maybe the, we, I only listen to like four podcasts, and two of them are sponsored by the Dildo <laughs> Store. But we'll definitely have Dildo keywords by then, so make sure you use ours. 
Next time. Next time you're buying <laughs> dildos and audiobooks. Think of us. So you can also get like your porn and stuff there, I think. It's not like just doll dildos. It's like, next time you're paying for pornography, think of us. You're gonna like a like a you know, lacy lacy underwear. Lacy underwear. And um lingerie they call it in fact. Oh man, that was a hard word to think of. Put dildos. Get your dildos. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone get your dildos. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Woo! Alright, me and Aaron are talking again. We're back in our respective uh, hometowns. Current hometowns. Uh, I'm in Oregon and Aaron is still in New Orleans. Hi, Aaron. Hello. I, was, I just uh, I wanted to chat for a second because we didn't get a chance to discuss what the next movie we were going to talk about would be. And we also didn't do any scratch-off lottery tickets, and I know since that's the most compelling part of the show, we should do that. And I left a couple at your place. I wasn't sure if we were going to do them then or if they were just going to be a gift or whatever, but if you have them, we should scratch them off. I got uh, two scratch-off lottery tickets um, from the Oregon Lottery. Right here, I have. I can't Caddy wait. Cash. I can't wait for you to be the one doing this. Caddy Cash is the one that doesn't doesn't have any cats. Right. It's Caddy Cash. <laughs> I don't and... sound that patronizing when I say that. <laughs> and then here's cool knives, and the knives are just cool. Um, do you want to pick one? Oh right. Um. This is not you. Now it's on you, motherfucker. Uh, I yeah. God, how do you pick? How do you when you decide which one is yours? How do you decide? I just am really good at this. I know you just picked the winning one, the winningest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should pick the one that has more money behind its prize winners. Well, which one is the winningest? Cool Nines is like nine hundred dollars or something. I think the um, maximum prize goes with the theme, if I'm remembering right. That one you can win triple the prize, and the numbers are cool. Will you tell me what the maximum prize is? Up to five times. Oh, I thought, I thought it was triple. <laughs> is five times? Can you multiply the triple by five? You can win five times and then triple each one. That's a lot of winning numbers. Well, it sounds like that's the one I should go with, and you can have Caddy Cash. Ah, oh, fuck. Caddy Cash just has some golf balls. Right. All right, so everyone knows the rules. <laughs> yeah, do it. I can't wait. Right. I can't wait to right. win. All right, here comes Caddy Cash. I'm going to... You can do you right. first? Um, yeah. Because you know I'm going to win, so you're saving it for last. Great. Yeah. I don't have a coin, so I'm going to use this fork. <laughs> I'm not sure what part I'm supposed to scratch off. Do I just scratch off the whole thing? It's not so easy, is this it? This is this is pretty hard. I thought no, I was shoes supposed to on the other foot. scratch under the golf balls, but that's not working. All right. Well, one thing we you should know Caddy about Cash. scratch off. This is exciting. <laughs> All right, here we go. Everybody, here shut we up. go. I got club. It was over here under the red part, and then visor, and this says prize nine hundred, uh, and then this says T. I think that's it. This one says Bugsburg. I'm assuming I did... Oh, wait, here's another one I found. Trophy. <laughs> Neither of those uh, symbols are identical. Oh, wait, here's another one. Just keep... <laughs> there's another bug spur. Just need one more bug spur, but I think I'm out of stuff to scratch. All right, this is pretty exciting. How many... I uh, lost the money. How many things did you uncover? Not counting the number. 
uncovered six I mean, things. not counting the numeral 900. Um, six things. Okay, that sounds like the right number of things to be scratching up. They weren't under any specific part of the field. I figured they would be under those golf balls. Well, what I was starting to say when you told me to shut up was... <laughs> Alright, let's do cool knives. Alright, this one's good. Are you ready for your cool number? <laughs> Tell me my cool number, please. Your cool number is 33. Oh, that's not um, very cool. It's not bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm an expert at a lottery. And, you know, that's three times right. three is nine. I know. I so know. Maybe... All right, so now what are we doing? Stop yelling at me. Match any of your numbers to your cool number and win. All right, for $10, you have 18, which is also a multiple of nine. Right. And 39, which has a nine in it. But that doesn't help you win. That was for $2. All right, here we go. This is really Four. confusing. I never realized how fucking confusing this is. <laughs> well, I like think I... you might do a better job. No, you I might knew... not have just drank all the leftover whiskey. Right. I knew it was um, boring to listen to, but I didn't have any idea how completely baffling it was. Wait, here's here's 32. Is that good? That one's worth $42. No, only 33 is good. <laughs> You think all these numbers are cool. 35 <laughs> is also not cool. You lose. You sounded excited when you said 32, so I thought it was good. It's an exciting number, but uh, no, you don't win anything. Oh, shitty. This birthday present sucked. There was only one good birthday present I got you, and it was the letterpress embossed <laughs> horse ebooks tweet card. I have that here. It says, who else wants to become a golf ball? Everything else was just window dressing around that was the one real good birthday present. Yes. I, well, I think that we should do, we should try another scratch off lottery ticket sometime and have you do it, but do one from Louisiana. <laughs> If they exist there. Ooh, they do. They have lottery everywhere. I was going to say that probably every state in the union has a scratch-off lottery tickets. Um, I want to know if what your themes are like. What your scratch-off themes. Like maybe is there like a gator cache instead of a caddy cache? I don't know. Yeah. It's a mystery. It's exciting. It is. It is. What's the next movie you want to talk about? Just trying to remember. I think I had some that I liked. And... Um... Well, here's a couple options just off the top of my head. There's um, The Warriors, keeps with my theme of always voting for a W movie. That's important. And, you know, And is a pretty interesting movie. And there's a movie I haven't seen called uh, Holy Motors that I'm interested in seeing. But I don't, if you've seen it, I'm not sure if it's a... Yeah, I actually um, suggested that a while back when it was... Is it out on the yeah. DVD? Um. Yeah, I saw it on uh, in the uh, movie theater. Um, I would I would be interested in doing that movie. That's uh, uh, that's very interesting. Well, that sounds like a good one to do. I'm trying to think. Of, there was one or two others I was just going to throw out, and I'm not quite recalling them. I think we should probably do RoboCop three at some point. Doesn't have to be the next one. Because we did do we lost RoboCop and lost half of RoboCop two. Did did we get RoboCop two? No, we got RoboCop two. It's the second. It's the second finished episode. Awesome. All right. So on the next show, come on. Ask anyone listening to uh, check out Holy Motors. You can go to inthecut.org and find all the different ways you can watch Holy Motors now, and uh, come join us on the next episode where we'll uh, us. I always say get under the hood. We'll get under the hood of Holy Motors. Is that fucking awful or what? Yes. Yeah, disappointing. <laughs> Where we'll talk about that movie. We will. We will. And I want you to, if you remember, I want you to get some 
Louisiana scratch-off lottery tickets, and I want to hear all about them. So you have that homework, Aaron. I don't know what that noise means. I'm going to assume <laughs> it means yes. I can't wait to do that. It's a good assumption. Okay. I'm going to stop recording. All right.